Here we go. This is your host, Cameron Ivey of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Privacy Please uh, here with Cameron and Gabe. Thanks for coming back. As always, uh, we got a special guest today. I'll, let, I'll go ahead and let Gabe uh, introduce him, and then we'll go into it. Well, well with us on the line is is John. Um, I, I I like John to do the introductions. He has uh, he has a rich background that I think our our listeners today are really going to be interested in. So, John, why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, I mean, uh, hi, hi, guys. Um, my name is Jan von Tetzner. Um, I'm building browsers. I've been doing that since 1994, uh, first uh, with Opera, which I co-founded and was CEO for more than 15 years, uh, and then with Vivaldi, uh, which is my, my latest browser company. Um, yeah, so been on the web for a, for a while. On the web is an understatement, considering you were the uh, one of the, the co-founders, creators of, of the Opera web browser. Um, I, I believe many, if not most of our listeners, I'm certain, are familiar with it. Uh, and so your your browser journey continues, but let's, let's go all the way back to the start. What got you interested in working on browsers uh, in the 90s? Well, I mean, I started working with the web in 1992. Uh, we were kind of looking at, uh, I was working at a research lab in, in Norway. And part of what we were doing is looking at interesting technologies and we came across the web. Um, so we put up the first web server in Norway, one of the first 100 in the world. Uh, and we started working with the different browsers out there. I mean, at the time it was like, uh, quickly it was Mosaic that was the leading browsers in the early days. Uh, and we thought, hey, um, we can do better than this. So inside the research lab, we start building the browser and uh, and thereafter uh, um, kind of founded the company. That's interesting. That's awesome. And so fast forward to today, we're solving browser challenges again. So when I think about a browser in particular, it is, it is the primary way that most folks interact with the internet as we know it today. <clears throat> um, which is interesting too, right? Because as we, as folks start talking about things like the metaverse and so forth, um, no one's really quite defining for us how we will interact with things like the metaverse. But how do you see browsers being, being, uh, part of the future? Well, the browsers are the gateway to the internet. I mean, that's the tool that you use to view content. And I mean, uh, we had some discussions on this in the early days. Was the browser going to change dramatically and the like? And I mean, the reality is the browser has expanded into new kinds of tools. It's, it's kind of in the early days, people are saying we don't only want to use the browser on the PCs. Uh, we were, uh, sure that it would be finding itself into other kinds of devices. Uh, so gradually it got into mobile. Uh, we actually had to convince people that you wanted to browse the internet on your mobile. Uh, then it's 
gradually getting into TVs and automotives and uh, a, a lot of other devices, right? So the browser is getting to be in a lot more places, and, and obviously there's a vast amount of content. Uh, so I, I, I think that will continue to, to grow. And yes, you will potentially find different ways to interact with that content, but the content is only growing. I'm certain you're familiar with the Career Tracks project by the EFF, yes? Um, it's, uh, it is, it's a project that allows you to test your browser's privacy. The browser being that primary interface to um, the internet means that the, the people that, that peddle in, in data have been using the browser to collect data for a long time. You collect a lot of data from the browser, a lot of data. Um, so from a privacy perspective, browsers have also been, let's call them a bit promiscuous now. Well, I mean, I think there's a difference between different browsers and, and differences with the different strategies, right? I think traditionally you haven't, you wouldn't expect the browser to be collecting data by itself. You would expect uh, data to be collected when you visit websites, but it wouldn't be the browser that would be collecting data. Now that's changing. So you, you're finding that there's uh, interest in having the browsers collect data, which obviously that's something that we do not like uh, at all. The, the concept that browsers are collecting data. But but again, I mean, we've been seeing uh, Google, for example, come with ideas, which is to replace the cookies with with actually utilizing collections uh, natively instead using your browser history. So which would kind of make it harder to to block block the the, the, the data collection. So um, obviously, this is something that is very important. I think. Um, I mean, for me personally, this yeah. is a bit personal, right? I've been on the internet from the very beginning. For me, the the goal in life has been to get as many people on the internet as possible, because the internet would give them a better life from the perspective of equal access to information, equal access to services, all of those things for me were very important things, which is why we spent so much resources getting the browser into the hands of as many people as possible. So the concept of then utilizing people's browsing data to build profiles, which are then used to kind of influence their decision-making uh, without them even understanding it, to me, that's a terrible, terrible thing. So. Uh, I'm kind of all for regulating and stopping this kind of behavior, and it's it's, it's time to do so. Yeah, because when it comes to collecting data from the browser, and what's the is there a benefit to the browser, or is it always a benefit to the to the actual website, the owner of the website? Does that make sense? I mean that that would that would depend on the business relationship if there was some kind of business relationship with, between them. But uh, and, and again, I mean it's the question of what is the role of the browser going to be in the future. I think uh, traditionally you would see you're visiting a website and the browser is just a provider of technology. I think that's kind of the way it w was. And then in a in a way, cookies weren't a bad thing necessarily. Mm -hmm. it, it, cookies are useful in many ways that you can kind of uh, help you keep the state on a site and, and the like. It's when you're collecting things across sites and, and uh, where it gets really ugly. And, and uh, obviously, the idea that the browser is then collecting that data and, and building a profile on you, uh, that's, to me, it's, it's as far away from what should be legal as, as, as possible. Uh, I mean, that, that's not just something that a browser 
maker and a, and a browser should be doing. It's like letting a stranger just walk into your house. I don't usually without even understanding why they're <laughs> like those salesmen, you know, that come to your. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in a way, I think if you think about it, I don't, I don't think people understand the level of collection that's actually happening on the internet and how it works. But you're right. I mean, you wouldn't expect someone that comes and does some work in your house to be collecting your data, writing down what you have of information, listening to your calls, or you wouldn't expect the mailman to read your email or, or mail. But those kind of things are kind of happening today. And, and, and I think it's a really unfortunate situation and, and uh, that just because it's technically feasible to have access to people's data doesn't mean that you have the right to use them for any other purpose than providing the service that you're providing. So before we, we started the show, in fact, when we, when we met last time, I, I promised I would download the browser, install it, and give it a try. I've been using it for about a week. And I'll tell you, <clears throat> the very, very first episode of this of this show, in fact, of Privacy Please, um, Cameron and I spent some time talking about um, some of the tools that you can use in your browsers to protect yourself from data collection activities. We, we rattle off a, a list of them, et cetera. I'm, I'm quite pleased with, with, uh, with the browser so far. One of the challenges I have with trying to to securely browse the web, uh, both from a security and a privacy perspective, is um, a lot of things break. The internet breaks a lot when you try to protect yourself from data collection. Um, but I've, I've been pleased with the experience so far. Um, and, and, and so when you talk about like regulating things, how can you regulate, for example, that type of data collection if an organization ties it to the functionality of the service or the technology itself. I mean, what's, I, I know there's some arguments there for, well, well, don't make it so, but what happens when th that is the argument for why it must be so? Uh, I think there's no reason or rationale why you should be able to use data in other ways than in, intended for the service. I, I, I just there's something fundamentally wrong there. I mean, obviously, you will have data. Uh, so, for example, if 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 you're using a voice service, then it goes through uh, technical means on the way. That doesn't mean that the, the, the person that is providing that service uh, would normally be able to listen to your calls and utilize them for marketing purposes. You wouldn't expect that to happen, but that is happening uh, potentially with services on the Internet, whether that is uh, mail services or just your browsing. And, and it gets to be quite extensive, right? I mean, the level of collection, whether it's – I mean, there's a lot of focus on what's happening when you're online, but then you have – your location information using GPS services. There's Bluetooth beacon technology to track you inside buildings. Uh, and it's, and then your credit card information is included in the mix to be able to track you from online to store to actually making a purchase. So th there's a lot of details to this, which isn't natural. So, so for me, you, you know what? Uh, from the early days of the, sorry. Natural. I wanted to hover on that. It's not natural at all, is it? No, because you wouldn't expect 
any other company to do this. I mean, you wouldn't, I, again, you wouldn't expect your mailman to read your mail. If your mailman was reading your mail, that would be something that you would find very offensive. If your telecommunication company was listening to your calls for marketing purposes, similarly, you would have a similar opinion. And if someone was coming to your home doing work in your home, you wouldn't expect them to be either listening to their calls or, or, or making inventory of your furniture or anything else that they might learn during the time that they would be in your house. So the, the point is, it's really easy to collect information uh, utilizing uh, kind of the web and the like. And with all the nice little gadgets that we're carrying around, you can be tracked in all so many ways. But this is where there's a little bit of ethics, there's a little bit of morals which comes into place. Uh, and I think most companies would never dream of collecting these levels of information on their customers. But some of these companies have been doing that now for some time. And I, I think they're basically, the, you know, there's the case of, hey, the others are doing it, so it's okay for me to do it. And particularly when the big companies are getting away with it, but right. it doesn't make it right. So... Uh, for me, in the early days, it was always about protecting the uh, information that we might have on our customers. It was not about how do we utilize this information to sell it or sell access to our customers. That that, that wasn't part of the equation, and and I think it's 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 gone wrong. Uh, I think the damage that we are seeing from these uh, data collection based uh, kind of business models is also quite uh, negative. I mean, again, they're building profiles on us, which are then being used to feed us content, uh, which can be manipulated through algorithms. I mean, again, there is the algorithms that that are built and build profiles on who we are, and then the algorithm are used to place content. And, and then, again, those can be both manipulated through uh, normal means, which would be, okay, you put money into the system, or through other ways. So, it's just a really unhealthy ecosystem, and and it hasn't been like this all the time. Now, I've been on the internet from the very beginning. We had ads fairly early. Some of these ads were obnoxious and irritating, but they were not targeted to you as a person. They were targeted to the content that you might be viewing, uh, or they would not be targeted at all and just random uh, so that change happened maybe 10 years ago where we started to see more and more content gradually uh, being targeted to the individual. Uh, and I think that has been a very unhealthy direction for, for the Internet uh, and for the world as a whole. Uh, turning the Internet uh, from being, uh, I would say, mostly positive to, to having a negative side effect on society, which we need to rectify. You make a good point there. Uh, this makes me think a little bit about how this obviously used to not be a thing because the internet was more of a privilege. Now it's something that everybody is kind of addicted to because they have it in their hand. Um, is it really, is it realistic that we could even regulate something like this because it's so powerful um, in terms of, I'm going to use a stupid example, but when it comes to like gas and electric, obviously we can go electric and it'd be a lot cheaper nowadays, but that's not going to happen because there's so much money in it. Um, do you think that we could run into something that's very similar to this when it comes to, um, using people's data and taking advantage of people because they just don't know or don't care? Um, what, what do you think to wrap this up as a question, what, 
what do you want to see that could be realistic when it comes to a privacy standpoint, when it comes to browsers and how we can regulate that for, for users? Well, I think, I mean, some people have said that there's the new oil, right? Now, oil is destroying our planet. So I think it's the correct uh, kind of uh, correlation mm -hmm. in many ways. It is really bad. I would also like to compare it to asbestos. Now, when you figured out that asbestos was bad for you, then uh, we kind of got rid of it, stopped using it, and have been gradually getting rid of it from the system. I think in a way, we were work the internet was working just fine before this business model. We, we had a working ad model. It, actually, I would say it was working better because I think for a lot of content providers and the like, the old system was working better than the new one. So the new one kind of created a lot uh, of long tail because, again, in the old days, you would pay more for ads on quality content and you would be paying less on the long mm -hmm. tail, right? So from that perspective... I think the the ads where you would be paying more for ads that would be kind of reaching the right audience in the right way uh, in, instead of just following persons wherever they would go, uh, sometimes uh, utilizing uh, means that wouldn't, I mean, weren't good. I mean, you would be hitting the person, but there's a lot of scams in the algorithmic ad, ad market as well. So uh, I, I think we can go back. I think there would be winners and losers in that equation, just like there were winners and losers in going to this equation, right? So the winners in in this model have been companies like Facebook and Google and the like. I think they would be they would be fine in the new model. Maybe they would make less money, uh, but they would be able to adapt to uh, that model. And I think for other companies, I think uh, for a lot of companies, it would be beneficial. And for some companies, it, it it would be less so, but but th there was a change going into the model, and, I, and there would be a change going out of it. But overall, I think uh, the companies of this world were fine without this model. So it, it isn't really a, a viable argument that we have to continue with a model that is uh, actually negatively impacting our society just because some large companies might lose money if we stop allowing them to do something they never should have started doing. History-wise, when was that transition realistically? When when was that new model really implemented? I think I've been trying to see kind of exactly when it happens. But to me, I'm, I'm actually thinking about the time that uh, Facebook went public. I think probably it's not the right time. For, but for me, that's a change, right? There was a talk of uh, at the time that uh, Mark Zuckerberg didn't know how to make money and they needed to do a change and they got uh, – uh, Cyril Sandberg into the, the company. And, and I, I think maybe at that time they started to change the, the model. I think that's w where it became very visible to the rest of us, at least, that there was a significant change happening, that you were actually seeing content based on the individuals, which would fit really well, and you might say, with Facebook's business mm -hmm. model. Again, when would they get ads and the algorithmic content? Uh, so I think it's really... Uh, that's the, the natural point. Uh, probably someone can point at other dates before, potentially. But I, for me, that's the big change when Facebook kind of started to do uh, ads related to the individuals and what you were viewing and what you were doing on Facebook. And then it's kind of expanded from there. Yeah. 
it's fascinating to think about being in that position and thinking of a way to be creative on how to use the internet better and how to just learn about people more when it comes to technology. Um, I'm sure there was some good intent, but then once, you know, I'm sure there's bad intent as well, especially down the road once they, (laughs) but it is interesting. Well, I mean, I think in a way, when you think about it, okay, you may go, uh, let's assume that they didn't understand what they were doing, yeah. right? I still think that it was wrong to begin yeah. with, to, to be utilizing data this way. But let's assume they had the, they didn't know what they were doing. But when did they understand that it was having the negative mm-hmm. impact that it was having and didn't turn around and changed it? I think they should have changed it a long time ago. They, I mean, I, I think they know the the consequences of their business models. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know. If I was making algorithms and business models, then I would see that that was basically having a very negative impact on society. I would change it, even though it would Thank kill you. my revenue. I, I appreciate that. Like they, I appreciate you wanting to give them some benefit of the doubt, but I don't understand how you wouldn't know. That's just not... I'm just not buying that argument, yeah. right? Like, it's just, just go ahead and not insult everyone's intelligence with that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's fascinatingly bad. I want to talk a little bit more about Vivaldi, though, if if, if we can. Um, mission statement. It, it, what, what, what exactly are you guys setting out to solve for problem-wise? I mean, we talked a bit about, obviously, the data collection, but kind of on, on a grander scale, because Vivaldi does a lot of things. Without talking about the features and the functions, like it does a lot. So, what what exactly are you setting out for Vivaldi to to solve for? Well, I, I guess I mean part of this is a different strategy and a different thinking about the individual. We we believe in building individualized browsers, right? So we we believe that the browsers are that up to you. It should kind of take your needs and considerations. Uh, seriously, uh, and you should be able to adapt it to your needs. So you can start with it really simple. It can be like the other browsers, relatively simple to use. But then if you want to kind of make it help you work more efficiently on the internet, uh, then you can do that as well. So, I mean, it is a different thinking. Uh, The normal when you do software today is to collect information about kind of how people use your software and then you utilize those statistics to make decisions based on that. Uh, In our case, the decisions is based on feedback from our users and what they like and what they don't like. And obviously what we see is that people have different opinions on what they like and don't like. And and then we put in the adaptability, uh, kind of when it when it out making an option, uh, so the users can customize the browser to their liking. Um, we also put in, because of that, we also put in a lot of features, which you may find that only a few percent of the population would be interested in using. That's fine. Uh, you know, for me, in, in some ways, my father is a professor in psychology specializing kind of on children with disabilities and the like. So I learned very e- quickly that you have to adapt to some people, mm-hmm. right? So for me, it is a question of adapting to the individual. In some cases, it is needed. And in other cases, it's just a choice that, yes, you prefer it this way. Okay, that's fine. You, you should get the browser to work exactly how you like to do it, even if I think the way you're using the browser is not the best way or whatever, 
that's my problem. Uh, you should be able to do it your way, and, and we should just adapt to you. Awesome. Well, I, uh, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, it's nice when, when the systems adapt to you versus the other way around. And by the way, we're not trying to do it automatically, just to be very clear. We're not trying to learn from how you use the browser. We're actually making you make the choices because my experience when the systems try to get second guess what you really want, they get it wrong a lot of the time. And again, then it also needs to collect a lot of data, which is another thing that we just don't like doing. We uh, we, we don't like collecting data on people and, and, and we don't have information on how, about how you're using the browser and we don't want to have that information. When it comes to <clears throat> when it comes to the browser space, how um, I'm not I'm not too familiar with it, but how how much of a competition is it out there? Like, uh, what's the biggest challenge against other browsing companies, um, and how 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 do you di differentiate yourself from from all of them? Well, I mean, we we have some kind of small competitors: uh, Microsoft, Google, Apple. Yeah, they're tiny. That kind of guys, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they tend to own their own platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, they're, they're able to kind of uh, utilize their power, which uh, is, is, is rather special uh, in, in kind of choosing which browser they put in and, and, and trying to push you. I mean, some different ways of doing this. I mean, Microsoft, for example, just really, really wants you to use Edge. So every time you try to use, if you're trying to download another browser, they will warn you, do you really need, want to do this? Mm -hmm. Edge is good. You don't have to be using something else. Uh, th things like that. So, I mean, we are competing with large companies with a lot of funds. Uh, so what we do instead, we just focus on the needs of the end user and listen to the users. And, and, and that's how we uh, compete. I mean, we pride ourselves in building great software. Uh, and, and I think that I just believe the philosophy of listening to users and, and taking their input and, and customizing to their needs is a better kind of way of doing things. And so putting the user first. The great browser wars, probably a little bit before uh, Cam's heavy browsing internet time, maybe. I think you may have missed it by like literally days or hours. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, the days of owning the platform um, is what originally got Microsoft in, in trouble some moons ago. Um, Department of Justice, I think it was, forced them to, to decouple some of those things. But the regulations kind of seem to have, have rolled right back on that. I mean, are there, do, are there still platform protections in place or do the platform owners kind of still, they still dictate more or less what folks are going to by default interact with? I think, I mean, there, there, there is uh, things, there are things happening, right? So, for example, the EU is uh, working on the Digital Markets Act that's kind of coming through, uh, which actually regulates platform owners and how they should deal with competition yeah. on the platform. So I think that's going to be interesting and, and see where that leads. And But you're right. I mean, Microsoft got away with something. Uh, I mean, they basically were taking over the market, killing Netscape. Uh, and, and they kind of cornered the market, but they managed to lose it uh, while they're still kind of obviously a major player. Now, 
all the major players own platforms and utilize the platforms to their benefit. And then the question is, how do you deal with a situation like that? And I think it's something that the regulators are taking seriously. I think they want to have a more playing field, level playing field. So I, th I think that's a good thing. Uh, and I, I think the, the big guys, they know that they're being watched. And I think that was maybe the most important thing with regards to the Microsoft case was the, the fact that they were being followed. Now, if you look at how they're behaving now, they seem to have forgotten everything about it uh, with kind of everything that they're doing now. For a little while there, you had a choice screen in Europe, for example, and you had a group of people sitting in, in Redmond that was monitoring Microsoft that would connect with uh, browser companies and ask, are they behaving? Uh, is there something we should be aware of? So we'll have to see how this all evolves, but uh, obviously the, these companies are utilizing their power as much as they can. Uh, I mean, if you look at iOS, for example, you can't provide uh, a browser based on another engine than WebKit, uh, which is what Apple provides, uh, which is unfortunate for iOS users, uh, mm -hmm. clearly. Uh, and, and this is something that is addressed in the Digital Markets Act uh, in, in Europe. So, so things like that, we have to see how this all evolves uh, moving forward. But I'd, my, my feeling is that the, uh, the EU is taking these matters seriously, both with regards to uh, the collection of information and about the competition in the market. And I'm really hoping that uh, those acts, uh, those new regulations will have an impact. And now I would like them to, to go further with regards to the regulation of collection of data. Again, for me, it's rather simple. Overall, I, I really think it should be banned to collect unnecessary information and it should be banned to utilize the information for other purposes than providing the service. And again, that includes selling access to your customers uh, and selling data about their browsing or otherwise um, what they're doing. So I, I really just think that uh, th this isn't rocket science as long as you just make it very... Stay in the platform conversation because I think um, we've been very client-focused, right? Like kind of human uh, interaction. Mm -hmm. we're, we're still, I'm still going to probe on, on that topic, but, you know, browsers show up on a lot of other platforms inside of your vehicles, um, your smart devices, um, they're everywhere. And, you know, from a security perspective, a lot of the browsers that we tend to see embedded in devices are woefully, woefully insecure. Um, they're out of date. They are, they're, they're prone to attack. Um, is, is this equally a, a problem that, that you've been looking at too? Hmm. But clearly, I mean, you need to make sure that browsers are updated. Now, in the case of for us, I mean, so far we delivered the the browser on on mobiles and 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 PCs and the like. Uh, but we started to provide it on in cars now, which is very exciting. Uh, this is running on Android Automotive, uh, and the browser in that setting is updated as often as your other browsers, which is kind of what you would expect. Mm -hmm. You you want your operating system in those kind of devices and, 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 and any device to 
to uh, be patched with the latest security patches and, and the like. O obviously, that's that that's really important, and I think that's uh, that's the direction that we are going. But obviously, for a long time now, we've had a lot of devices. You buy a device, you install it in your home, and then it's maybe never updated at all which is a problem uh, yeah. because the world changes and there's new attack vectors and, and the like. So clearly you want your software to be as updated as, as possible to, to have the latest uh, security patches and the like in place. And it does just keep popping up everywhere. I mean, um, you know, without naming any companies in particular, but I think, I think electric vehicles in particular, a lot of, or most modern vehicles, you, you, you step in and that, that heads up display, that those panels, it's just one big browser now. Um, and I love when they crash to our airplanes too. It's uh, <laughs> the back of the back of your seat. Those those seem to crash a lot too. Maybe it's just whenever I get near them, they wanna they wanna <laughs> all of a sudden code stops. Well there is a change and I think I mean Sorry, I mean, there is a lot of things happening in software. And, and by the way, uh, some of those devices, I mean, if you think about the devices that we've delivered uh, on during my time, uh, kind of at Opera and, and, and the like, I mean, I think one of the first devices we actually delivered on was a fax machine. Um, the, the, the fact that you could browse with a fax machine is kind of fascinating. Uh, we were building special versions for terminals where you'd use uh, numbers to enter the information, in-flight entertainment systems, in-car systems. Uh, we delivered that many years ago into the Ford F-150. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, into refrigerators, mm -hmm. uh, where you have refrigerator panels and, and the like. So a lot of this has uh, been for, for a long time. And I, I, I do think the software is getting better. I do think the systems are getting more kind of updated. It, it, it is improving. Uh, but obviously, I'd also like everything to be standardized. Uh, one of the beauty of the web is that it is standardized. Uh, which I think is, is is a positive thing overall, um, but yeah, I mean, with with a lot of devices with uh, various levels of quality in the software, I mean, it, it, the reality is there's a lot of hardware that could use better software, but uh, we are seeing improvements in this. I, I think in the car industry, I, I think we are seeing a massive improvement in, in the quality of the, the, the software in, uh, now and in, uh, in, in the years to come. Uh, there's a very significant change, I believe, happening there, which I, I think overall is a positive thing, but obviously it also uh, kind of means that you have to be careful with the uh, kind of uh, the rights to collect data and the like, which I think is, is, is really important that needs to be yeah, controlled. Absolutely. It occurred to me for a second when you mentioned even embedded refrigerators, I thought for a moment, I was like, yeah, no, I, I can think of at least one that I know that has one. And my first thought was, was that the right answer? Was that the right interface for that problem? A browser in a refrigerator. But ultimately, it's fairly modular and extensible, so it feels right. But, you know, sometimes you, you do have to ask yourself whether or not we're just kind of, you know, the, the browsers become this hammer and we're just going around whacking nails everywhere with it. Because when, when, when you think also about what's happened over the years with software, computing power um, kind of ebbs and flows from the edge back and forth as it gets cheaper to, to, to compute at the edge. Software developers love to push stuff down there, which, as you know, means today 
pushing it to the browser. Um, and, uh, and, and as compute gets in compute storage, you know, as again, as it gets expensive and or uh, it gets faster and cheaper, um, pushing it down in those areas. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm exploring for is it is it really the browser where we keep wanting to, to do those things? It feels natural, but I worry sometimes about just using it as as a, a blanket tool, as a big hammer for all the problems. Well, I think the benefit that you get from using web technology uh, is is the cross-platform, is the open standards uh, and the like. So, I mean, if you, if you think about how yeah. the world was before, uh, you would be kind of stuck to the software that was available on your uh, device. And this was forcing people to choose systems that were not optimal for them. Maybe they would choose to use, uh, had to use Windows, had to use the software because maybe they really wanted to use a Mac or a Linux computer, but they couldn't use that because then there would be incompatibilities and, and the like. But now you're able to run mostly uh, the same software and the same applications across all of those. And, and the fact that you're technically able to do that also on other kinds of devices opens up a lot of interesting opportunities, which I think is a positive thing. Now, utilizing web technology does not mean that everything has to be in the cloud. It can be local to your computer. You can have peer-to-peer. -peer. There's a lot of ways to utilize the technology. Uh, which I think is a, is, is a good thing. Is it possible to write really inefficient code using web technologies? Yes, it is. But you can also write good tech, good code. Uh, it's, it's, it's a question of, uh, obviously, the, the, the programmers and the efforts that you put into to writing the code, kind of getting the quality right. Talking about technology, I just, you guys are talking about the refrigerators. I mean, I don't know if they have browsers for these things now, but... I'm just thinking about coffee makers and toaster ovens where you can actually use your app to kickstart a uh, espresso from your phone that goes to your, to your coffee maker. I don't need that. Um, no. Are these things necessary? No. I mean, nope. not, not even a little bit. <laughs> do they present, do they, they just present more problems when it comes to another way that someone can hack into your privacy, no? You know what I need? Is that right? I need... Well, I think... No, no, go, go for it, John. Sorry? Uh, you, you know what? I mean, I love technology, and I, I love being able to do those things. Uh, I, I think there's a, a lot of interesting ways you can use the technology. So I, I'm, I'm a fan of putting the technology there. But I don't think that that means that anyone should be able to collect your data. And, mm -hmm. and I think, obviously, you need to, to take the, the privacy and the security all very seriously. But I, I do think that there is a lot of convenience in, in, in doing some of these uh, new, new technologies. Uh, I mean, whether it's using web technology or whether it's uh, utilizing that. Now, sometimes I agree with you, particularly with the app thing. If, if someone is forcing me to use an app uh, and the app doesn't work, that is a pain in the ass, right? Um, I mean, I, I'm a design guy. I can talk about, so for example, um, here here in Oslo, you might want to use uh, the, uh, uh, you might want to use the T, right? The only way, I'm in Oslo right now. So uh, if you want to use the T, you have to use an app. 
buying the tickets, it's not possible on the train or even potentially close to it. And then you have to get the app. And then you go into the app and you find out that uh, you have to have there's extra security, so you can't just enter your credit card information. So there's just too many levels of things where it can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had issues in, in the U.S. where I was trying to pay for uh, parking. That was in uh, also saying I had to use an app mm-hmm. to pay for parking because that was so great. And I was using half an hour to and, – and I mean, I'm a technical guy. This is uh, – I'm not – uh, 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 but I also I hate bad bad technical solutions. So when I see something that doesn't work, and in this case there was the parking app from Hell that just didn't want to work. Uh, so I agree with you with a lot of the apps, but to me the web technology as a base technology is 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 a really good level leveler of making it easier to make applications. Um, at my time at Opera, we we were actually playing with uh, utilizing the browser uh, in devices, so you could download services, which could then uh, work with your other devices. So you, instead of having all these different incompatible kind of uh, Internet of Things solutions, you would have a standard which would make things easier to work and build solutions that would work with all your different devices instead of having to have a single app for every mm-hmm. every device that you have or be locked into the, the world of either Google, Apple, or Amazon. So, so again, I mean, I, I, I do think there's a beauty in using the standardized web technologies, and I think with the Internet of Things, we strayed a little bit away from that, but... Uh, overall, I mean, I, I do like the, the, the ability to use the technology with the caveat that we need to make sure that uh, people's privacy and security is maintained. Indeed. That's a great point. Look, I, I'm with you, John. I'm not a design guy. Or at least I don't consider myself. Certainly, no. Forget, don't consider. I'm very much not one. Um, but but I do consider myself a dyed wool product guy. And I ask myself, is that is that really the right solution to the right problem every time we encounter those things. Cause like you, I've been frustrated with the, I guess yet another app for parking somewhere else. It's like, you know, I have a phone in my hand already. I could just pay for this by NFC, but you're, you're forcing me to make this way more difficult than necessary. And I'm not certain why. Yeah. Basically. So many other ways. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So sometimes they're just making, but but this is, by the way, this is not the web. This is this is the the, the kind of uh, the app environment. And by the way, you know what replaced the app environment on the PC? It was right. the browser, right? That's right. So uh, 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 on the mobile, we kind of gone f- full circle in a way, and 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 it's not. An improvement in all cases. Yes, if there's something that you use all the time, it's fine to use an app. But in a lot of ways, it's better if you can just use it through the browser and not have to, because then it's just visiting a website and then you can forget about it rather than having to install an application mm-hmm. on your phone, which potentially could be tracking you or doing other things it shouldn't be doing uh, instead of just going to a website. Uh, filling out things on the website in a relatively standardized manner and then be done with it. Uh, that's just, so for me, it's, it, there's too many apps. Uh, more should I, be going through the browser. I want to be respectful of time. We're coming up on the hour here, but um, you point out something very, very good that I, I, I guess I never really internalized, but we have gone full circle. Why 
is it that we're still using ostensibly thick clients mm -hmm. on our mobile uh, mobile devices when we've moved to software as a service, you know, in, in, in the rest of our technology spaces? Well, I think the, the, the reality is a, a lot of the uh, kind of apps that you're running on your phone are basically just wrappers around the browser. So it's actually utilizing the web technology uh, underneath, but it's still in an application. Uh, I guess there's kind of the, the concept you want people to be utilizing your app. And and again, there's a question of whether that is then doing things, collecting information and the like that uh, it shouldn't be doing because it's running in the background or the like. So there's question marks on that. I think for a lot of things, you don't need a separate application for uh, for a number of things. You could just as well have it as a bookmark and uh, visit it, and that would be a cleaner uh, solution. Also because, again, the browser tends to get, if it's, if it's one of the the bigger browsers, it will get updated on a regular basis. Uh, it's hopefully not using some old uh, implementation of the browser core. Um, and, and so then you, you get the benefits from the updates and, 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 yeah. and the like. So, but it is interesting that we, we, we went through kind of on the web, on the PC, just moving, not necessarily to the cloud, but utilizing web technologies. And then on the, on the mobile, I mean, it, it kind of started this way. I mean, it, it, it was all about, if you think about the early days, you would be kind of downloading applications and ringtones and the like, and you would be paying for that. And then gradually that move over to apps. Um, and, and, and I mean, it's a model that works really well for the right. app store. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yes, it is. Right. That's, that is an excellent point. Follow the money. I, sh I should have I should have answered my own question right there. Follow follow the cash indeed. John, look, um, before we move into our last segment, is there anything else you'd like to uh, to share with our guests before uh, Cam peppers you with some very, very personal questions? <laughs> well, you, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, obviously, I'd like everyone to go and, yeah. and, and, and try Vivaldi. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we are trying to do things in a different way. Uh, like I said, we, we have a built-in tracker and ad blocker that you can enable and you can control that with the sites that you go. We are also doing certain other things that you don't find, like the, the mail and the calendar uh, clients that are built in and the newsreader. And there's a privacy angle to all of this. Uh, in, the, in a world where we move to webmail, we are kind of logged in and it's kind of like utilizing one service. Now, if you have a client like we have, then you're able to move from one mail service to another easily, mm -hmm. which is something I think a lot of people, they're kind of stuck with maybe their provider. Maybe they're using Gmail and don't really want to be doing that. Uh, but now they could easily move to another kind of service provider, whether that would be a fast mail or put up a Vivaldi account or any other service. There's a lot of really good uh, mail services out there, which may cost a little bit, but they don't have a business model kind of built on, on taking your data. So if you want to move to that, then you can have the, the, both the mail accounts and you can gradually move over. And the same is like with the calendar um we have a built-in mail uh, calendar service. You can run it locally or utilize the, the online services. And then we built in an RSS reader, uh, which again, the print, the, 
Yeah, the the principle of it being that if you're going to uh, online, then there's the old machines that are learning what you like, and they will mm-hmm. then push you into a corner where you see the same again and again. Instead, if you like a service, you like a podcast, you can just subscribe to that podcast and you get that podcast. Or you can even subscribe to YouTube channels. Uh, and then you you can watch that directly in the browser. So so there's a privacy angle. There's a thinking around this, helping you get away from the big guys if that's what you want. And obviously, I would recommend well, everyone to We're going to drop links into the show notes for everyone to go grab the, mm-hmm. the browser. Um, like I mentioned, I've been using it for the last week since I found out about the browser and since we first talked. I'm absolutely loving it myself. We're recording today's episode in the browser, which, by the way, is something I've not been able to do before. Uh, the platform that we use for our, our, our podcast, in fact, forces us to only use one browser in particular, Chrome. Um, and this allowed me to break free of that, too, even. So thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, all right. Before we wrap up, Cam, Cam just got a shameless couple plug. of questions. Babe. <laughs> Yeah, no big deal. Just some deep, dark secrets. No. Um, all right. So since we were talking about this before, what's one app on your phone that you can think of right now that you have to use, but you absolutely hate? That's a good question. I'm not really utilizing that many applications on my phone like that. So most of the applications that I am using there I don't mind. I mean, I actually, I mean, obviously, mostly I'm using just Vivaldi. That's that's my main application on my phone. So that that one is simple. And I, <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer. Um, all right, going back, I know you know when you were a little kid uh, growing up, we all have dreams, we all have aspirations, and we want to be something when we get older. Um, I can't imagine when you were younger that you wanted to, you know, you thought about being a CEO of a, a web browser company or, or, you know, starting these things, which are fantastic. But if you weren't that today, what would you, what would your choice be of your, your fantasy um, career or something that you would have wanted to do when you were a kid? I mean, when I was a kid, things were, I mean, all the way back, it's, it's, it's different. I, I, I mean, uh, I was actually wanting to be a composer. Mm. Um, my grandmother was a composer. My great-grandfather was a composer. Uh, I, I had a lot of music in, in, in the house. Sadly, I had no skill, so it didn't really go anywhere there. Um, but this is kind of where I wanted to be as a kid. I mean, a lot of others were wanting to be uh, various other roles, uh, and, and and then in a way, I mean, I started to play with computers in the early days, uh, kind of, uh, I mean, I was in, in my teens, but this is so early for computers. Uh, but very quickly, I realized, hey, I want to work with computers. Uh, and, and that's what I started to do. I started to work with computers, started to build software. Uh, and that's what I've been doing since I was a teenager, and 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 I've enjoyed that. Obviously, my role has changed. I'm not writing so much code anymore, uh, but I'm still working with software. Uh, now, during my studies, I, I focus on usability. Um, so you talk about design. Uh, to me, there's multiple sides to design. There's visual design. There's functional design. I would like the two to go together. 
uh, and, and and my focus is probably more on the functional, and then I want the the, desi- the, the visual design to to support the functional. Uh, so I'm I'm really interested in those things, but I'm I'm just also very interested in technology and mm-hmm. and uh, I guess also uh, doing things that matter. Uh, kind of trying to 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 do something meaningful for uh for people in this world i mean that's what i've been trying to do again i mean that's why i get so pissed off with uh, people messing up the web because i've seen the web as the way i can provide do something positive is is basically by helping people get access to the web adapting to their needs so they're able to use it i mean again whether that's adapting to people's requirements uh adapting to their devices adapting to their networks uh that's kind of been a focus for me so so again i mean uh, it, this is a long answer to a simple question but uh yeah i mean doing something that uh helps others right yeah that's great no i appreciate it um, one quick last question and then we'll wrap up. Um, what do you do in your off time outside of technology? What, uh, what relaxes you? What excites you? What, uh, what do you do that some, like something that most people wouldn't know about you? I mean, I, I do like, like sports and the like, I mean, I play a bit of basketball, a bit of soccer, uh, I, I mean, I enjoy that. I enjoy being with friends. I like travel. I think that, I mean, I, I enjoy good food, good drink. Mm. Oh, yeah. Being with friends. You got to enjoy good food. Absolutely fabulous. <laughs> Look, John, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I'm going to tell you thank you twice. Thank you first for, for Opera. I was a user of that and, and, uh, and enjoy that experience. And I look forward to continuing to be a user of Abali as well, too. So thank you again. And thank you for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you, Gabe. And thank Cameron. It's been uh, great. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, you guys made it all the way to the end. Thanks for listening. Again, If this is your first time, we really appreciate the support and everyone that's always been around since the beginning. We love you guys. Keep supporting Privacy, please. And we'll always have new content each and every week. Cameron Ivey, over and out.